Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Denise. Are you ready for help? This episode was recorded during Mental Health Awareness Month with Dr. Joyce Spurgeon. It is the who, what, when, and where to do if you or a loved one is suffering with any sort of issue, depression, anxiety, ADD, and how to navigate the system, insured, not insured, and what to do. All right, everyone, and sit back, enjoy, and also put this show in your library. You might want to forward it to someone. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Denise. This is the Dr. Denise Show. We are wrapping up May Mental Health Awareness Month, and I'm so excited to do a wrap-up show with Dr. Joyce Spurgeon. Joyce, thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I just want to say, as we were wrapping up the last show we did, you know, really elevating and honoring, you know, suicide awareness, prevention, and your dear, dear friend, Jeannie, you said something so lovely. You're like, I would just love to come back on and just almost like help people navigate when they're ready to get help. So this episode is really for someone saying, hey, okay, fine, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, but what do I do if I'm having sadness or depression? Where do I start? Sometimes that's so overwhelming. Do you want to start, Dr. Joyce? Is this something that you hear a lot? Yes. I think that a lot of people think you have to start with a psychiatrist and they get really depressed when they realize the weight that sometimes it takes to get in. But I think there's lots of avenues to access care, whether it be through um, your primary care doctor. That's where I get most of my referrals. I work very closely with the primary care doctors because I live in a small community. Um, I work closely with ministers, um, because that's a place people can go, but also things as simple as checking with your insurance company to see who's in your network and trying to call and get appointments with either a therapist or a psychologist, um, or even a psychiatrist, but going ahead when you feel like it's time, go ahead and make the call. Don't wait. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of myth busting that I find throughout the years as a psychiatrist and as an MD. And by the way, even that still sometimes people are like, what's the difference between a psychiatrist and psychologist? So um, psychiatrists go to medical school, psychologists get a PhD, psychiatrists can prescribe. I know years back, some psychologists could, I don't think, I'm not really up on that. I don't know if that's like got squashed. Do you know if there's psychologists that can prescribe? Yes, there are some states that psychologists can prescribe medications in as well. So, so I think though there's all different layers of help and different timing. And one of the most important things that you said is don't wait. So don't, if you're starting to have the sadness or depression, and if you think you might, like, let's say you have a family genetic predisposition, you know, there's different levels of mental health. Sometimes people can have low-grade depression, major depression. Sometimes it goes, I've had people come to me for wellness checks where they've had family histories of suicide completions and they just want me on the radar of good mental health talk, education. Sometimes people like to start if they're able to get an appointment. You made a really good point um, in this show and our last that a lot of people feel really sad because there's problems with access to care. So do you want to add to that? 
Well, I think that at least in, so I'm in the state of Indiana and our wait times are probably two to three months to actually see a prescribing psychiatrist, um, which obviously is problematic if you're struggling now um, and why it's important for us to think about where are some other places for you to touch base um, until you can get in and be seen. So one thing I would say in those situations, and also this this shows around the world, what you might want to do to really get the right help is write a list. I sometimes have people, but no matter what age they are, if they're really younger, you know, they might not be able to do this, but write a list of when they first started having whatever trouble, any symptoms, like were you having troubles with eating, sleeping? Are you feeling sad? Are you to the point where you're so hopeless where you can't imagine living? And write almost like um, a bullet point or a list, reach out to help from a family member. Because sometimes even making the call when people get to that point, if they waited too long, you want to have like a trusted friend or a parent or a sister or a sibling, or like you said, a minister, go to someone. And sometimes it's so, you, you just don't even know. Sometimes people feel like they're going to burst out into tears. So when you write stuff down, you have some linear data. And that way, if you can't see a psychiatrist right away, maybe the primary care doctor could refer you to a nurse practitioner, or you could have like a bridge plan. Because sometimes if you're ready, a lot of times, I don't know if you find this, Dr. Joyce, that by the time someone decides to actually come and see me as a psychiatrist, they've waited months and they just want the appointment right then because it was almost like so shameful to even pick up the phone. Or even even if it's not shameful, so scary, um, I think that they think we are going to sit behind the desk and judge them instead of understanding we're sitting behind the desk willing to walk the journey with them. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of myth busting too, you know, based on just movies, like how like I remember I was at a psychiatry conference. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I just like landed myself in the revenge of the nerds territory. And like, by the way, I'm just being playful because I consider myself like a, you know, kind of a nerdy too. I'm like playful. But like, I think we also, like you or I, let's say we weren't psychiatrists and we'd only seen what a psychiatrist does in the movies, right? So like there's different, there's different flavors of doctors, nurses, psychiatrists, psychologists, ministers, mental health practitioners. So when you're ready for help, have hope that there's many avenues that you can go in. Absolutely. And I told you this before, I I joke with people that sometimes accessing a mental health provider is like trying on shoes. You have to try on a couple pairs before you find the right fit. And that includes with me. I am not right for everybody. Um, I try to be, but that doesn't mean that it's a good fit. And if I'm not the right fit, I want people to go someplace else and find the right fit so that they can get the treatment they need. No, I love that being empowered. So um, I want to give people some tips. So let's say you're starting to make calls. You mentioned a really good tip of if you have, if you're fortunate to have insurance, let's go have insurance versus don't have insurance. So if you have insurance, you'd want to, um, number one, if you've got a primary care doctor you really like, usually because they're in your network, they'll probably know some in-network providers. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get discouraged. A lot of psychiatrists in my area are not in network, but usually they practice with such high, like 
you know, moral integrity, that they really then utilize the time as maybe as a consultation. A lot of insurance um, networks cover a percentage of out of network. So you can just have hope. So reaching out to your primary care doctor, seeing if you can get a referral. You can also just reach out to your insurance directly. I know if you don't have insurance, most hospitals, wherever you are in the world, have in the United States, it's like the county programs. There's also NAMI, National Alliance of Mentally Ill, that has tons of referrals. If you're in a city where there's an incredible hospital, you can call the psychiatry department at that hospital and say, who are some of, you know, give a little bit of a history, what you're dealing with, and they can land you in the right place. Um, Do you want to add to this? I think that's a pretty um, good place to start. And, And again, it's one of those things that when you're not feeling good, it's hard to advocate for yourself. So using your list and your friends to help advocate that you, if you get told no at the first place, it doesn't mean you're going to get told no everywhere. Right. And okay, so now let's take us through. So you were ready for help. You've got all these ideas. You're finally like ready to get help. We gave you some ideas of how to find someone. But remember, when you go to your first appointment and you start talking about any sadness, depression, maybe you had neglect, maybe you're going through a divorce, maybe you're getting bullied at school. Remember, it's very vulnerable. Hand, like treat yourself with kid gloves, meaning maybe that day for the appointment, don't have a lot before the appointment, hydrate, eat healthy, make sure afterwards you don't have anything planned so you can really show up for yourself. And also you are assessing You are the captain of your own healing plan. So even if you have lots of respect and reverence for authority, remember you're interviewing them too. Like Dr. Um, Joyce said earlier, is this the right person? And by the way, it could take a bit. It might take, um, sometimes you know right away that person is a slam dunk for my, my style, my neuro style. I want that doctor. I want that therapist or I want that minister. But remember, You could be so sad and you could be so shut down that it might take you a time or two to warm up. So go in with an open mind and listen to your own gut and ask yourself the questions. Did this feel like a safe space to open up? Is this someone I think could inspire and help me? Yes. And I think that the most important thing for you to think about before your first appointment is this really is a place that is going to be a relationship. Um, You know, really good psychiatric care means both people are on the same page working towards the same goal. And the only way you can get to that point is if the patient comes in and is willing to sort of set the truth and honesty about where they're at in front of the doctor so that you guys can then join together to say, okay, so where do we go from here? I love that. I love that. Because sometimes, um, depending on where people might practice, sometimes you feel like it's almost like a conveyor belt where someone just says their targets, I'm depressed, I'm sad. And then all of a sudden, someone just spits out a serotonin med. But in reality, that's another myth buster. Um, For me personally, and I think for you, as I'm getting to know you, I love some of my um, patients that are thriving 
I run more like almost like a family practice, psychiatry practice. So I'll give an example. So when you come to see me, if you're an adult, it'll be anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes, usually 60 at this point for children and teens, two hour assessment. But the longevity of the relationship, whether someone's on meds or not, I have someone, Dr. Joyce, that was bullied when he was 12. That's now almost 30 thriving. I only have to check in on him like three times a year. You know, so he got through his bullying. He got the right help for, you know, his focus and his mood state. He then went on to get graduate school education. Now he's engaged. So that relationship piece that you just mentioned is something for me, doctor, if I couldn't provide that kind of connection, it wouldn't be satisfying for me. If it were only about here's your prescription, I would actually leave the profession of psychiatry. I do not disagree with that. I think there are people that there are different ways people practice. And I think it's important for us to say that out loud, that there are yes. some folks that they just want to prescribe medication. I think. Thank you for saying that. A good number of psychiatrists, though, really went into psychiatry for the what I call the art of psychiatry, which is really how to manage relationships. And yes, the medicine is absolutely an important component of it, but we both know from having practiced for a long period of time, medicines can do so much, but the relationship is sometimes where the most healing happens. Absolutely. And I think teaching people when we're talking about mental health awareness and, you know, are you ready for help? It would almost be like, are you ready to be your own best friend? So when you go to see someone and they've got like the, the mindset, if it's a Western medicine doctor and you've gotten to the point where you think, Hey, I'm really suffering. I need a higher level of care. Now, remember there's different seasons for your mood state. There's different seasons for your stress state. So when you see a really good clinician, you want to also ask that doctor or therapist, you know, what's your thrive plan like? Are you someone who will be comfortable with this tool in the toolbox? I've actually had people say, will you prescribe if you need to? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. I guess I have some reputation of, you know, that I will only prescribe if needed, which it should be for everyone, but there's nothing wrong with a prescription. Meds can be life-changing but that wrap around hope, holistic health, nutrition, fitness, mind medicine and meditation, um, giving back to your community, time and sun, doing charitable things, having a pet, being creative. Those are all things about be thriving. So it's not just mentally ill. I like to talk about mental wellness. I know that we have mental illness and people suffer, but I even use those words when someone comes to see me. You know, I, I, I validate the suffering, but I like to shift into vibrational words of healing. And I would also advise people that before you go to any appointment, if you have any intentionality, what you would like to visualize your thrive before you go to an appointment, you could start to see yourself well, even when you might not, you might not even be able to, even if it's just like giving yourself credit for showing up, that's the path and the start to feeling better. Absolutely. Again, some it's there is there's a reason why cliches really uh, continue to be in existence. That fake it till you make it. I don't want you to fake what you feel, but sometimes we have to do the behaviors before we feel it, and that's and a I big. I love it. 
I, you know what? I'm just getting to know Dr. Joyce. And what I love is I like her one size does not fit all with shoes. Fake it till you make it. But then we actually do a deeper dive on what that means. Mm-hmm. So those, those that we like are fleshing it out. So um, do you want to explain anything else about the first visit or anything you want to add um, when people first come to you or maybe, cause I find when I see someone for the first time and meet them, I didn't realize this. This is like however many two decades ago now. I have this gift of seeing people well before they are. And I think they feel that. So I think there's this, the people have told me like, oh my gosh, I, I came in feeling like such suffering. But the minute I saw your smile, it relieved you. Or the minute I heard your voice. So I think a lot of times people need to remember, we, I personally don't think of someone as like a walking little target symptoms, like, oh, that depressed person. I think of you as your name, like, oh, there's Jill and she's feeling this way. If you feel like your your person you're seeing is doesn't have that humanistic connection with you, pay attention to that. Pay attention to how you feel after your appointment. I would agree. And I think there's some real simple things too that you can do to get the sort of most bang for your buck at your appointment. And some of them are really simple things. Have a list of medications you've tried before, if you've tried any, with what they what happened, how they made you feel, if you had side effects. Write those down because you think you're going to remember, but a lot of times people get sort of anxious when they're sitting in the actual office and it's like, I know, I know, I can't remember, you, you know? Um, Absolutely. Talk- you start talking about something emotional. You have no idea, everyone. We're all just such human feeling beings. And we might start talking about something that makes us sad. And then there's another part of our brain that forgets some of the, I call them the linears and the non-linears. So that list serves like when you're a little kid and you have your like blankie or your teddy bear, your list of what's happened to you or your list of meds or allergies or what you liked about another visit with a doctor, those are all very important to have bullet points because it can help your first, like you said, I want to use your words, get the most bang for your buck or the most connection. And I think don't be surprised. Like I have people bring in lists and want to hand it to me. And I usually say to them, that list really is better served for you because I want to talk to you about what's on that list you can leave it when you leave and I will read it. But me sitting here reading a list is not the best use of our time because part of what I get in the interaction is I learn you in um, in the process of sort of the conversation we have. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense to me. And I want to take it one step further. Um, Everyone has their own unique neuro style that we talk about. And when Dr. Joyce just explained her process, I, this is my second time interviewing her on the same day. And so I'm getting to know her. And she and I spoke about, she said that as a psychiatrist, she shared that, of course, she prescribes, but she's more, you know, she uses her intuition and empathy and I can resonate with that. So to me, when I meet people, I like to go in tabla rasa. So people might say, oh, you can talk to me, my therapist or this. I say, after I meet you, because yes. I use my my soul or my logic of Western medicine coupled with my empathy and intuition to be there and sit and have sacred space with someone. So there's a lot of nuances that just being with someone, you get a, a vibrational more hit in your diagnoses and how to help someone. 
So I think that that's something that you really champion and celebrate when you're seeing people as well. Yes. And I think it's sort of like the person who wants somebody to speak for them. Cause I, you know, I don't care if patients bring in somebody, if that makes them feel comfortable on the first visit, I am completely fine with that. But I still want the patient to talk to me because again, a lot is lost in translation if we can't speak. Absolutely. So is there anything else? I think one of the big goals of this wrapping up mental health awareness is just getting the actual linear tools on how to seek out help and then how to follow through. And, oh, I was going to say with, depending on the diagnoses is going to determine when you see your doctor or clinician next. So if you're having more severe depression or having hopelessness, that next appointment is going to be closer to the time. If you are maybe, um, I'm a child psychiatrist. If I've reviewed all of your, like for me, there's the two hour visit with the, with the, as a child psychiatrist, half with the child and half with the parents. And then I look at rating scales. I review report cards, look at comments to build the history, especially if there's focus or other issues. And then depending on the unique um, treatment plan is going to determine when you see your doctor, when not. So when you're on that phone call, making up that first appointment, make sure you also go into that phone call with questions so that all along the way, you have as much information to feel a sense of control and a sense that help is on the way. Absolutely. And again, you are the only one who can advocate for yourself. And so if you're not sure, it is always okay to ask the front desk. It's always okay to ask the doctor. I've had patients ask me things and then be terrified I was going to be angry with them. And I'm never going to be angry as long as you are polite and asking something that's, you know, an appropriate question. And if it's inappropriate, I will give you that feedback as well. Part of what we're learning through getting to know each other is how are we going to relate in a healthy way to help you get better? Wow. Well, I want to thank you because it's sometimes things are just like the obvious, you know, it's mental health awareness month and I've been doing this for so many years, but I think a show like this, breaking it down, if someone's at that point, are you ready for help? And what are all the ways to do it? There's a nice episode like this, I think really opens up people's eyes. And um, thank you for suggesting that we do this. I really appreciate your time again, Dr. Spurgeon. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Okay, everyone, make sure if you're ready for help, there's lots of ways to get it. And also reach out. You're not alone. Sometimes you feel that way, but you're not. Okay, thanks, everyone. Have a great week. 